Hey guys, what is well? I think I need like an intro, like a solid intro, because I say something different almost every time. But I will. It, it's gonna involve the word dude because I love the word dude. But as for right now, hey guys, welcome back to Unoya. I know it's been a while. I was taking my finals for college and adjusting to life back home. Yes, I am back home, and I'm really happy to be back home. I did not know how much I needed it until I got here and now I'm like what's what's college why would I go back I, I don't know I love it here you know and I love being able to see my family my setup is a little bit wonky because I could not bring my mic stand <laughs> like I couldn't trek it through the airport and it didn't fit my backpack so I have my mic literally like dangling in front of my bed and it's like resting on a crevice in my mattress it's like it's a whole intricate macgyver-ish situation going on um and so if i cut some of the audio is probably because the mic fell or something but we pray that that will not happen um also if you hear a whole bunch of sounds in the background i know this is a really long intro i'm sorry guys um again like i said i'm back home the, we have a fire alarm that just kind of beeps randomly, and so that will be that beep that you hear in the background, and also my window is right here, so you'll hear some cars driving by. But without further ado, we're doing things a little bit different today, um, and let's pray and get right into it, yeah? Abba, thank you so much for, uh, for being here, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being closer than the breath in our bodies, Lord. We are so grateful that you woke us up this morning. In your mercy, Lord Jesus, that you forgive us over and over again. I thank you so much for the work that you are doing in each and every one of our lives, Lord. I thank you for the trials, and I thank you for the good good stuff that's going on too, Lord Jesus. May you just be with all of us right now, Lord. May you give us a peace that passes all understanding, Lord Jesus. May you quiet our hearts, and may you help us to just have a really sweet time together. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I usually pick a topic and kind of expound on it and, you know, find some Bible verses to kind of just go with what I'm talking about. However, today I was having my devotions and I just really felt strongly like the unction of the Lord to just kind of share my devotions. So once in a while, of course, the word is literally the most important book ever to exist. And it is the foundation of the Christian life. And so as much as we can talk about like different topics like you know emotionalism and all these other things um we should constantly be coming back to the word and i should be doing more of this and i think i will start to be doing more of this also coming up this summer we're gonna have some interviews which is gonna be really exciting and some just joint like podcast like content stuff going on so i'm really excited for this summer and i'm gonna try to be uploading more regularly um every other monday it's gonna be super dope so if you have your Bibles with you, I have my new Bible. I know I've probably mentioned it before. Um, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back. We're going to go section by section, and we're just going to let the Lord say what he's got to say. Um, I will say we're going to be focusing a lot more on the first part, verses 1 to 12, and then we will talk a little bit about 13 through 18, but... Um, I kind of want to focus on one through ten. So I'm reading from the NIV version. And yeah. So it says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact you are living. 
Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write for you, write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. We urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be informed, uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we will tell you that we who are still alive are left until the coming of the Lord. will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are left we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one an- one another with these words. Ooh, that was a that was a lot. We are going to break it down. So, okay, so let's just give a little bit of context. We know that this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians, hence why it's called First Thessalonians. Paul has written a lot of letters in that are in the Old Testament, um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, now Thessalonians. And essentially, as it starts, as for other matters, um, Paul is transitioning from the first part of the letter in which he was talking about his uh, co-partner Timothy and giving his report and talking about how he longs to see the Thessalonians. And so now we're really getting into the meat of First Thessalonians. We're getting into basically the intention of why Paul is writing to them. And so Paul was like essentially like a modern day church planter. Like he was going around to all these places and he he's credited by like scholars and religions, like people, religion people, for really like spreading the gospel in non-Jewish areas because he received the revelation that like Christianity is not just for the Jews, you know? And so this is a concept that was really new to the Jewish people, especially because they are God's chosen people. And so Paul was kind of really the pioneer for this. And so essentially he had planted this church and now he's writing to them and like checking on them and all that stuff, you know? And so the overall theme, uh, especially for 1 through 12, which is what we're really going to be focusing on, I noticed this phrase twice, and it may be different in your Bibles, but I believe the point is still the same. The theme that I was getting was, don't be complacent with where you are, do more. 
So the verses that I found where he said more and more, more and more, he said, now we ask you and urge you in in Lord Jesus to do this more and more, talking about how he's instructed them to live, to continue to do this more and more. And then he said, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, down in verse 10, to do more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. So he's essentially like, I hear that you're doing good, but do more. Christianity is not a place where you can come do something and stay there. You know, holiness and righteousness is a constant thing that you need to chase after because our flesh and our nature is so contrary to it. We need to be doing more and more. You should never arrive anywhere in Christianity. Like you're continuously trying to chase after Jesus. And and it's not in the sense of like striving and trying to be better on your own accord. It's working in partnership with the Lord because only he can, you know, get you there essentially. And even when we quote unquote get there, like we'll never be where God is at, but he is our role model and and he is what we should try to be, you know? And so let's just go. So verse one to two, I'm going to read it again. It says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Kind of what I'm getting from here is like, you know, if your mom tells you to do something and she's like, I hear it. And then she like texts you out and she's like, yeah, I hear that you're doing good and everything. Like, just can you continue to do that? You know, I know like when my parents call me and when I was in college, they'd be like, yeah, I'm, we're glad you're doing good. Like, just continue to do that. It's a, it's like a form of encouragement, like just keep going you know and essentially like I think one of the cool things is like Paul is like literally writing from jail and he's encouraging other people and I think that was like probably one of the the main things about the letters of Paul is like he's constantly encouraging and uplifting these churches while he himself is in a circumstance that may be to the outside world unfortunate but to him he counts a joy you know because he counts it as a joy to suffer for Jesus Christ going on to verse three to eight it is god's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know god and that is in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister the lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So part of this righteousness that we are chasing after is the fact that we are not giving into our flesh. We are born with our, like, carnal mind, our flesh mind, wanting to do things like be immoral and to lust after the things of the world, which can be far more than just in the sexual context like you can lust after money essentially is what greed is and and all these other things but what separates us from the world is that we do not give in to that that the lord has given us the power to resist and i think one of the most interesting parts is verse six where he says and in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister uh i believe somewhere else in the bible it talks about causing others to stumble or even causing weaker Christians to stumble and how that is a sin. And so taking advantage of a brother or sister in the context of the church is, he's not uh, meaning literal brothers and sisters, although you shouldn't do that either. But 
essentially he's talking about taking advantage of other people in the church and the church is supposed to be a family group of people that are brought together by sharing the same blood and the blood that we share as a church is the blood of jesus christ and so essentially if you are taking advantage of a brother or sister you are dividing the family you are creating something within this family that is not of god I think one, okay, so the next verse talks about, um, verse seven, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So this is kind of like one of the big things I wanted to hone in on. We, we are called to live a holy life, which is so true. But what is differentiating us from the world is our judgment of them. Nowhere in the Bible does it call us to judge non-Christians. And this is not a conversation about judgment, although there may be a further podcast on that. But but unfortunately, the church nowadays is being separated by essentially their judgment and their incapacity to love. Because where there is judgment, there cannot be, where there is that kind of judgment, there cannot be full love, you know? And what essentially what Paul is saying is what should separate us from the world is our holiness, not our capacity to judge. Our attempt to live a holy life is what should separate us from the world, not our holier-than-thou attitude or our judgments on non-Christians. Later on, it talks about leading a quiet life, which we're going to get to because our lives are a testimony, essentially. But I think especially nowadays, what is separating the church is so far from what the Bible is telling us to do. What sh- the only thing that should separate us is how we live our lives and our attempt at chasing a holy life. Nothing else, you know? And so the scripture goes on to say, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you for the fact that you've been taught by God to love one another. As in fact, you do love all God's family through Macedonia, yet we urge you brothers and sisters to do so more and more. Here comes the more and more part again, that don't be complacent with how you're loving people. Love people more. We can always love people more always and essentially i love what he says about like we don't have to talk to you about your love because jesus is your teacher that is how we should be right now we the best teacher is the bible the bible is the most important thing the words of jesus are the most important thing and we need to be using this as our guidelines we should not be just following other people or other christians which can set a good example but they are not jesus essentially you need to for yourself go through the script go through the scriptures and and pick out what Jesus is saying and apply that to your life. Jesus should be your ultimate roadmap. Like his life should be our roadmap. His words should be the light to our feet. That's what the Bible says. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. And so as much as Paul is like, you guys are doing a great job, do it more. Don't be complacent with where you're at. He goes on to say, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. It's so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I know I've said this before, but one of my most favorite quotes is, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Your life is your, how you live your life is your biggest testimony. I'm going to say that again. How you live your life is your biggest testimony. The Lord is going to bring you through trials. And you can stand in front of the church and you can give a testimony about how he's brought you through trials. But what's really going to 
affect your coworkers that are watching you or your classmates that that have seen you profess you that has seen you profess Christianity is watching the day to day how you live your life because in that is where the true testing of your faith is because anyone can be like god help me overcome it we see that of course with celebrities and and tv stars and athletes like thank you god you helped me win this championship or win this oscar or whatever but like did god get you out of bed this morning when you really didn't want to get up like essentially like how we live our day-to-day lives is the in my opinion and i think that's what paul is saying is the more important testimony and what's so interesting is that he's saying make it your ambition to lead a quiet life make it your literal life's mission to be in the silence make it your life's mission to be hidden essentially to you don't have to be flamboyant. You don't have to be out there. You don't have to be constantly standing on the street and shouting Jesus, which of course is amazing and is a ministry in its own. But what's more important is after you're done shouting Jesus and you go back home to your family, are you like yelling at your brother or fighting with your mom? Like that is a more important testimony, you know? And I, I, in my own life had such a desire, you know, you've probably heard me talk about on this podcast before. I believe that I have a calling to be, a worship leader and to lead worship and I so much wanted to like once I really started to take my faith seriously I wanted to jump straight into that and I wanted to be like yes like put me in front of a stage let me lead people like Jesus I'm ready but I was neglecting the little things in my life what I consider to be the little things in my everyday life like the company I was keeping my relationship with my parents my relationship with things like food and and with gluttony and things like that the Lord had to slowly work those things out of me he had to put me in the hidden place in the hidden season, he had to work those things out of me before he could take me to any stage. And he's still working those things out of me today, you know? And it takes a lot of humility to to kind of just step back and be like, okay, I need to be in this hidden season with Jesus. I need to work on my day-to-day life because that is my testimony. That is the most important thing. And I believe that the people who have seen me change in my day-to-day life have seen more of my testimony than the people who have heard about the hard things that the Lord has brought me through, you know? That ties just right back into that theme of don't be complacent with where you are in your faith. We should constantly be going after Jesus. We should constantly be chasing after righteousness. We should constantly be loving more and constantly be hidden more. We should just constantly want more of Jesus because if we're complacent, then what's the point of Jesus? If we're content with where we're at, We don't need Jesus no more because we're like, we're good. Jesus got me to this point. Now I'm good. Now I'm chilling. So then what's the point of reading your Bible? What's the point of being a Christian at all? You know, we need Jesus just like we need the breath in our lungs. Your body physically, like if you hold your breath, will force you to breathe after a certain point. That's how we should be with the word of God. We should not be able to go without the word of God. And I am literally preaching to myself because especially in the season of being home and resting, it's been really hard for me to read the word of God. I've just kind of been like, I don't really have the energy or like even the desire. And I've been honest with Jesus. I'm like, can you please give me the desire to read the word of God, which is great. But it's also like, okay, what am I actively doing? Once I start reading the first sentence, I'm hooked, you know? And so I need to physically open my Bible. I need to be in the word and the Lord will give me the desire as I step out in faith 
and open the book literally. And so I challenge you, like, what are you being complacent with in your Christian faith that you're kind of just like, yeah, I'm good in this area. And it can be like an area that's not super predominant, something that's in the back of your mind. Like, yeah, I'm fine with the way I worship on Sundays or I'm fine if I'm, I'm not going to church as much because, you know, Jesus knows I'm still a Christian or I'm fine if I curse a little bit, you know, because Jesus knows I'm still a Christian. Like, what are you being complacent with in your life? I give you the words of Paul. I urge you and please make it your ambition to do more. And so verses 13 to 18 as we wrap up is talking about believers who have died. And so I'm just going to read it really quickly and give like a little bit of something and then we're going to pray. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So we do so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, are left, will be caught in the air together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other, encourage one another with these words. Now, I want to really point out the heading on this. this. The heading of this section is called believers who have died. So if somebody has professed that Jesus is their savior, somebody who is a believer, and they've died, this is what we're talking about. We know where they're going. We mourn with a different mindset, with a hopeful mindset. And I think Honestly, hope is one of the, like, the defining factors of Christianity from other faiths. One, one of the defining factors, first of all, is that it is not a works-based religion. That Jesus loved us despite what works we've done. Whereas there's other faiths that's like, well, you need to do all these things for our God to love you. You know, you need to have good karma. You need to live your life this way. Or, so, like, essentially it's a works-based religion, but... Christianity is like God died for us before we did any works, you know? And the second thing I believe is is the hope that Christians just have so much hope. Like, and sometimes it's hard to keep in mind, especially if you're mourning the death of somebody and you're like, but I have seen like some of the most amazing funerals for Christians because they're just so hopeful because they know, they rest assured that they are going to see their loved ones again in heaven. And this concept of death being sleep is not something that is new. If we read in the resurrection of the little girl, Tabitha, um, sorry, I love that name, Tabitha. Um, Jesus says, why are you crying to the mourners? She's only sleeping. You know, Jesus calls death sleep essentially because for believers, that's what it is. And so I just love that line that says, so you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And, and, and he's comparing like other people's death to the same way Jesus died and rose again. Jesus is going to bring the believers with him. Those who have fallen asleep. He constantly references them. He says, who not perceive, perceive those who have fallen asleep or who have fallen asleep in him. Like verse 14, verse 16, verse 13. He's all talking about death as sleep. And I think this parallel is absolutely gorgeous absolutely beautiful because it's so true for believers death is not the end 
if anything, death is a joy because we get to go and be with Jesus in heaven, you know? And so, and then at the end, verse 18, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. So I think we can um, infer from, from this passage, especially like that there's been a lot of believers, maybe in Thessalonia or in Macedonia, where Thessalonians have loved the Macedonians, you know, that there have been believers who have probably been persecuted and have died because of it. And Paul is telling them, take heart, have hope, because we know as Christians that this is not the end. What joy is it to die for Jesus Christ? What joy? And yet we nowadays are scared to to have a, a social, quote unquote, social death. Like we don't want people to know we're Christians because we don't want them to, to ostracize us or to look at us differently. People were literally giving their lives. Why don't we give our social lives? You know, I think about that constantly, like, especially in high school, like, what more could I, like, I should have done more. Like, I should have committed literal social suicide. Like, I don't care now what people think of me because I follow Jesus because it is nothing compared to what other people face, first of all. And second of all, Jesus is is so much worth it. Honestly, it should be the other way around. First of all, Jesus is worth it. And second of all, there are people, even today, like around the world, who are dying for their faith, you know? And so, um, yeah. That, like, verse 18, therefore let us encourage one another with these words. Like, death is not the end. Death is not the end. And so, that was First Thessalonians 4. Um, with the overall theme of not to be complacent where you are. And uh, I hope you guys kind of enjoyed it. I know it was something a little bit different. Um, but the word of God, man, it's like a fresh revelation over and over and over again, you know? And so what a beautiful thing it is to be able to read the Bible with you today. So let us pray and let's uh, close out. Jesus, we thank you so much for the revelation of your word. We thank you for this reminder to not be complacent. This reminder that we are so utterly dependent on you, Jesus. And it's such a beautiful thing. We thank you that there is nothing that we could do to make you love us more. And there's nothing that we've done that has made you love us less, Jesus. We thank you for the gift of salvation, Lord Jesus. I pray right now for anyone who's listening who may not have accepted you into their heart or or doesn't even really know that much about Christianity and has just happened to click upon this. Lord Jesus, may you stir their hearts right now. May you stir their hearts, Jesus. I thank you for this ability to share this word, Lord, and I pray that it resonates and I pray that people sit in it and and, and chew it over and over again and, and, and think on it, Lord Jesus. In your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you guys so, so much for joining me. I, I, oh, I love doing this. I love being able to, to have this platform and, and to reach you guys. And I love y'all so much. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at, I think it's Unoya underscore the podcast. Um, if you have any questions or if you want to talk about giving your life to Jesus or, or if you want to talk more about what we talked about in the podcast, or if you just want to have a discussion, um, and yeah, I, I would love to talk to you guys. I could talk about Jesus all day. He's my favorite topic. Um, and so yeah, I, I love you guys and I'll see you guys in a one or two weeks. Bye.